It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. The cosmological argument refers to the type of several arguments which use a general pattern of argumentation that is, logos, that makes an inference from a particular alleged set of facts about the universe, that is, cosmos, to the conclusion of the existence of a unique being generally identified with or referred to as God. Among the initial facts are that particular beings or events in the universe are causally contingent. That the universe, as the totality of contingent things, is itself contingent in that, one, it could have been other than it is, two, it could not have existed at all, or three, that the universe came into being some finite time ago. From these chosen facts, philosophers and theologians argued deductively, inductively, and abductively by inference to the best explanation that a first cause, sustaining cause, unmoved mover, necessary being, or a personal being called God exists that has caused and or sustains the universe. Nevertheless, some claim that the universe has always existed. Astronomer Carl Sagan would always start his TV program Cosmos with these words. The cosmos is all that is, or was, or ever will be. However, Sagan's views contrast, first, with the prevailing explanation for the existence of the universe, the so-called Big Bang Theory. Second, his views contrast with the Bible, which teaches that the cosmos began as the result of a personal creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Genesis 1, verse 1. The Bible asserts the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalms 14, verse 1. Psalms 53, verse 1. I recommend you read 1 Corinthians 1, verses 20 through 25 in the Passion Translation. Philosopher Douglas Gruthius made this observation. Truth is a daunting, difficult thing. It is also the greatest thing in the world. Yet we are chronically ambivalent toward it. We seek it and we fear it. 
Our better side wants to pursue truth wherever it leads. Our darker side balks when the truth begins to lead us anywhere we do not want to go. Most people do not know that the British philosopher Anthony Flew was one of the most notorious atheists in the world from about 1953 to 2004. For five decades, Flew launched an aggressive attack on the existence of God. In that time, he was the champion of atheism. But then, in 2004, he stunned the world by announcing that he then believed in the intelligent creator of the universe. In the book, There Is a God, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind, published by HarperCollins in 2007, written by Flew in collaboration with Roy Abraham Varghese. Flew recounts how he followed the evidence where it led to arrive at a worldview that included the powerful, intelligent God. Flew said, I now believe that the universe was brought into existence by an infinite intelligence I believe that the universe's intricate laws manifest what scientists have called the mind of God. I believe that life and reproduction originate in a divine source. Why do I believe this? Given that I expounded and defended atheism for more than a half a century, this is a world picture as I see it that has emerged from modern science. That's found on page 88 of his book. The book and Flew's conversion away from atheism created a controversy, especially in view of an article in the New York Times magazine alleging that Flew's intellect had declined to senility, and that the book was primarily the work of Varghese. However, Flew himself specifically denied this, stating that the book actually represented his views, although he did acknowledge that due to his advanced age, Varghese had done most of the work of writing the book. Let's turn now to an argument for God's existence. I'll begin with the cosmological argument popularized by William Lane Craig's 1979 book, The Kalam Cosmological Argument. It reasons to a cause for the existence of the universe from the fact of the beginning of the universe. Knowing that the universe had a beginning a finite period of time ago, makes it very difficult to avoid the simple but compelling logic for the existence of God. The Kalam cosmological argument originated in the efforts of ancient Christian philosophers like John Philoponus of Alexandria. But when Islam swept across Egypt, Islam absorbed this idea and their philosophers developed sophisticated versions of the argument. 
The argument was championed by a 12th century Muslim theologian from Persia by the name of Al-Ghazali. Here is the form of Al-Ghazali's reasoning. First, everything that begins to exist has a cause. Second, the universe began to exist. Third, therefore, the universe has a cause for its existence. The first premise is self-evident, since things that begin cannot cause themselves. Support for premise one also comes from the law of causality or the law of cause and effect. Many people affirm the law of cause and effect. Francis Bacon, English philosopher in the 16th century, said true knowledge is the knowledge by causes. Pierre-Simon Laplace, French mathematician, speaks of the evident principle that a thing cannot occur without a cause which produces it. David Hume affirmed, I never asserted so absurd a proposition as that a thing could arise without a cause. John Frame, in Apologetics, A Justification of Christian Belief, said, Belief in causes is an aspect of a commitment to reason. Roughly speaking, causes are reasons, and reasons are causes. To say an event A has a cause is to say that there is some reason why event A took place. Those who believe that reason is essentially reliable, and therefore that the universe is susceptible of rational analysis, are attracted to the proposition that all events in the world have causes. To deny that is to claim that some events are irrational happenings, but the rational quest can never remain content with such a claim. Further, the nature of reason is to inquire after causes, and if reason does not find a cause, it does not conclude that there is no cause, rather it looks further, or else it sets the problem aside for future investigation. Science can study causality in the universe, but science is limited in that it cannot explain the cause of the universe. I think it can be reliably said, the universe came from nothing, but not by nothing. Certainly it is true that absolutely nothing can come from absolutely nothing. It goes without saying, for something to be created, it would not have existed before creation. And to create something, the creator would have to exist before creation can take place. Let me develop a scenario. Suppose a person has died at the living room of his home. When police detectives arrive at the scene, they have a death, so they need to determine its cause. Can the detective determine his death by staying inside the room? If so, his death is by natural causes, an accident, or a suicide.
Now suppose the detectives discover a gunshot wound on his body. Was the wound self-inflicted? Is there evidence that someone else from outside has been in the living room? Is there evidence that someone else shot him? If so, this is a case of homicide. Now let's change the scenario from a dead human body in a living room to consider the universe as representing the body. What caused the universe? Like a detective, we need to determine why the body of the universe is here. First, can we determine the universe's existence by staying inside the universe? Or must its existence be caused by something outside the universe? There are four possible options for the cause of the universe. One, it is self-caused. Two, it is caused by no thing or nothing. Three, it is uncaused. Or four, it is caused by something else other than the universe. The prominent atheist philosopher Daniel Dennett thought that the universe was self-caused, but that's false. Why? Because the universe as the cause would exist prior to its own existence, so the universe is not self-caused. The no-thing option is ruled out immediately because out of nothing, nothing comes. The atheist philosopher and mathematician Bertrand Russell claimed the universe itself is just there, an uncaused thing. Can the universe be uncaused? Not according to premise one, if the universe began to exist. So premise two helps us decide that something else is the cause of the universe if the universe began to exist. Next question. Of the things that exist now, have they always existed? More precisely, is the universe eternal? All throughout history, people have assumed that the universe as a whole was eternal. Of course, things in the universe came into being, changed, and disappeared. So these things inside the universe are not eternal. Premise two of the Kalam argument implies that the universe is not eternal. If premise two is true, there needs to be evidence supporting its truth. That's crucial. Here's the point. The second premise has gained major scientific endorsement in our time by the many confirmations of the Big Bang model of the emergence of the universe. In the next episode of this program, I will give evidence that supports premise two. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app. 
Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott. <laughs>